0: You're listening to Westside Church. For more information, visit us at westsideinfo.com. Thank you, Father. We're here today because Jesus rose from the dead just like he promised that you would do. God, we love you. We honor you. We give you all the glory. We lift up the name of Jesus today and proclaim him as Lord and Savior. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all the men here said? Amen. Amen. God bless. You can take your seats. Uh, once again, a very warm welcome to all of you. My name is Steve. Uh, I have the privilege of uh, pastoring here at Westside Church. A, a visitor with us this morning, a very warm welcome to you. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you guys. I just want to say thanks for being here. Um, if you are looking for a church home, Welcome. Uh, Welcome home here, and uh, we'd love to have you come back and visit. We have three weekend services. The first one is Thursday night, and then two on Sunday morning at 9 and 11. And they're all three of the same service. And you can look around at our grand cathedral here of a building. That's why we have three services. And uh, one of the reasons we have three services. But we're in the middle of a series now on strong, healthy families. And that applies to each one of you as individuals, Uh, and and your leadership role as men. So I encourage you uh, in that respect. Um, Just moving uh, right on, I have the privilege of introducing uh, one of my best friends in the entire world, Kevin Booth. We've known each other and been friends for almost 35 years now. And uh, he doesn't seem to change. I seem to get older, uh, but he seems to be pretty much the same. Uh, Kevin's a very uh, multi-talented guy. He planted a church. Uh, from scratch and leading a very successful church and Christian school in Southern California right now uh, in Norco, the Norco-Corona area. And uh, he's very talented artistically. He is a worship leader, a drummer, and, and uh, lots of talents. He's a playwright. He's working on his first novel, he told me. And uh, great preachers, preached around the world, spoken to men all around the world. And so he's been a friend of Westside for years and years and years. He was here way back when we were uh, just kind of getting off the ground and uh, has seen us over the years growing and moving. And so we appreciate him. Let's give him a warm welcome. It's Kevin Booth. That's the last time I
1: tell you anything. Novel thing was in confidence. No, I'm just kidding. Um... It really is great to be here with you guys because there is such a connection for such a long time. Some of you know this, but some of you don't. Um, I used to live here, so I used to come down Missouri Flat all the time, and um, we lived out in uh, Somerset. I'm trying to remember Somerset, Grizzly Flat. Um, yeah. No, not quite. <laughs> Grizzly Flat. Um, Yeah. Well, the same in the sense they're all out there. That's, that's how those are. Um, we would commute that every day. Every day, that one. I had that, I had that road memorized in my mind, all the curves and all the different channels. And uh, But uh, we used to work out at, uh, you guys don't even remember this. I don't even know why I'm bringing it up. Anyways, there used to be a, a place to, to eat off of Highway 50. Uh, big, big place. Sam's Town. Oh, you guys do remember. Some of you, you know, Okay, well, there you go. I'm, I'm dating myself here. So I used to work out there as a short order cook. I used to work at Kentucky Fried Chicken uh, right down the street. I used to work at the fire, fire station for a little while. Uh, wax on, wax off. The uh, long ladder truck they had at that time. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of memories around here. Of course, my uh, sister and brother-in-law live in this area, go to this church. My brother-in-law is an elder here. And, uh, just the relationship we have with, with Steve and Terry for all these years and the eldership here. And we just feel such a connection with you guys. We pray for you guys all the time, uh, down in Southern California, and we believe God's best for you guys. We've, just, we've been able to sit back and see the blessings of God come over you guys and just see how you've grown and just the way you've just picked up momentum and just seems like just in the last couple, two or three years, you guys have just taken it to another place almost. So. Just so proud to be here, and uh, I'm chewing up a lot of time, and I need to get going here so, so I can get you guys out of here. Um, we were, I was uh, praying last night about what to cover and, uh, with you guys, and so there's like two or three different things I had, and I thought, you know, I'm not sure which way I should go, and I was, uh, you know, debating back and forth, and, and uh, I won't tell you what the other two were, but uh, I settled on this thing about, uh, about forgiveness and about uh, our past. And I just found out that you guys, uh, you know, were covering some of that stuff and going over some of that stuff. So maybe this really is something that's really from the Lord, and uh, hopefully it is. Hopefully it'll touch your heart. And even if it's something that you have mastered and you have down and you feel like you've already, you know, got straight with yourself and you're good with, maybe it's something you can just put in your heart and, you know, be able to minister to someone else sometime down the road or, you know, and be able to share with them, too. So it's good to take copious mental notes and... Uh, And, uh, you know, just be able to retrieve this stuff when you're ministering to other people and so forth. Because it is such an important thing that we don't live in the past and we live where God wants us to live. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 18 says, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Behold, I do a new thing. Everyone say a new thing. That's what God's doing. Now it will spring forth. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13. The one thing I do, Paul said. A lot of things I don't do. He said, one thing I do. Forgetting. Everyone say forgetting. Forgetting. Good. Forgetting what lies behind, I reach forward towards the, towards the head, towards the cross. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, you know, our brains aren't like, you know, just, it isn't like a computer where you can just push a button and your brain just remembers everything and you have a delete button. And it'd be nice if it were that way sometimes, but of course it isn't. So we have kind of a running tape of things, you know, where we just keep remembering, and it just keeps, you know, piling up and so forth. But what do we do with those memories? You know, some of those, some of those are great memories, and some of those are not so good memories. And I'll tell you what: even great memories can be a hindrance to your future if those become uh, memorialized in your mind in a certain way, where it defines you. You know, um, that can really hold you back from going on to the future victories that God has for you. You know that He's waiting; that he's waiting for you to discover into the future. So, good memories and bad memories can also be can both be problematic. Forgetting the past, let's just give me. Let me give you a definition. So, forgetting the past is not allowing our past failures, successes, or hurts or disappointments to keep us from experiencing God's best for our lives today and tomorrow. So there's many people that are being held hostage by failures, mistakes, you know, also good things, disappointments, and today I want to just go through and just talk about how to live free and just get, deal with the baggage and so forth, and literally shutting the door on the past and being able to go towards your future and being able to pursue it with all your strength and with all your heart. Um, one, a woman came up to you know, ministry for 30 plus years, you have a lot of different stories, and one time a woman came up to me, you know, and she was, man, I wish, you know, I wish the, this divorce would finally be over, you know. And I said, You'd be having a tough divorce? She goes, yeah. And So she was explaining to me, all, you know, her ex-husband just, you know, keeps, you know, getting involved in her relationship with her son and so forth. And so I said, well, how old's your son? He said, well, he's 32 years old. I said, okay, okay, well, I thought, you know, I thought it was a younger son, you know, okay, 32 years old. I said, well, how long, you know, how long ago was your divorce? She said, well, 17 years. I said, wow. So you're talking about trouble you're having from your divorce from 17 years ago. So, you know, she had, just, she had just gotten so defined by that event in her life that she'd allowed that event to just keep on being, you know, fast-forwarded, fast-forwarded, fast-forwarded. And nothing was replacing that event in her life. So she became defined by that event. So when people would refer to her, if they, would have, if they had trouble, like, you know, if they were trying to say, you know that girl with the blonde hair that's kind the of... The one that was you know, has all the divorce trouble. You know, people would actually describe her according to the trouble that she had, that she couldn't get over. Because everybody she met, she would talk about her divorce and the trouble she was having and so forth. So just over a period of time, she just became defined by that event and by that thing that happened in her life. It was sad. And it didn't have to be that way. And it's so easy for it to happen. Paul knew firsthand how to break free from the past. He had a past. He wrote a young, uh, a young pastor named Timothy, 19, 22 years old, somewhere around there. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. I thank God who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into ministry even though... I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in my unbelief. And the grace of God was more abundant with the faith and love I found in Christ Jesus. So Paul was offering himself as example, as exhibit one in the trial, you know, to the public about how, what God can do to someone who's got a past. What a past he had. You know, if God can take anybody's past and deal with it, take Paul and deal with his past, then he can take anybody in this room and deal with your past. There's no past to you. I don't care if you've, if you've been involved in a relationship where, you know, there was a, an abortion involved. I don't care if you were involved in, you know, in, in a divorce or multiple divorces. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you have a criminal record. I don't care if you spent time in prison. It doesn't matter. God can take those things... And he can bring you into a future that is so glorious and so bright. Well, yeah, you may, you may use those things, but they'll be used as weapons against Satan. They'll be used as testimonies. The Bible says he overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto death. Testimonies can be a powerful weapon to use against the devil into your future. But they don't want to, we don't want to be defined by those things. Paul wasn't known as the guy who was the persecutor. He got Initially he was, but as time went on, he got known as something else completely because the beautiful thing that God did in him became so big and so grand and so great that he became defined as the Apostle Paul rather than the persecutor Saul. Are you there? And we need to allow that to happen in our lives as well. So what does it mean to forget? When we talk about forgetting... What are we really talking about? Because I find it really hard to find people that truly can forget things that have happened in their past. So let me let me talk about just the definition, a working definition of what it means to forget. A couple things: unable to remember, to leave behind unintentionally, to fail to mention, to banish from one's thoughts, to forget a disgrace. To disregard, I love this one, to disregard on purpose, to cease remembering. So why is it important to forget? Number one, looking back encourages the possibility of us going back. So as we look back, it encourages us to to live back there and to go back there and to not live into the future and what God has for us. Luke chapter 9 verse 62 says, But Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Think about Lot's wife. He said, listen, leave this place and don't look back. But something, see, Sodom was in her heart. And so when she left physically, she just had to look, there's just something, she just wanted this one more glimpse of the city, one more glimpse of the place I love, one more glimpse of what's going on down there. And she just couldn't help it. And she turned her back and when she did, you know, she turned into a pillow of salt. You guys know the story. When terrified Israel was cornered with the with the Egyptians coming, the smoke and the the dust and so forth of all the the chariots coming, and here they were standing right in front of the Red Sea, and what are they going to do? Genesis chapter fourteen, verse fifteen. A lot of people don't realize this this part of it actually happened. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. Now that must have sounded ludicrous. And then after that, he tells them how bring the 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 priest with the ark of the covenant. When the water, when the feet, those priests hit the water, the you know the 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 sea will open and so forth. But initially, he said, "Go forward into what looked like an impossibility. Go forward. Where? I mean, we're willing to obey you, but but where? Where are we going to? Where are we supposed to just commit suicide? It must have seemed crazy at the time God was saying it to them." But he was saying, go forward. That back there has got no future for you. Your future is ahead across that water. And God encouraged them to take it and go for it. Faith always faces forward. Faith moves out. Moves us out of places like Egyptian slavery and bondage into the promised land. Faith moves us out of our past failures and disappointments and bondages and all those kinds of things. Luke 17.32 it says, remember Lot's wife. Remember that story. Because you don't want to end up like that. The message to her was clear. Don't look back. And the message to us is clear. Don't look back. So one reason why, you don't want to look, why, it's, good, why it's important to forget is because looking back encourages the possibility of going back. Number two, the other reason why it's good important to forget is because looking back keeps us from move, moving forward. It's like an anchor. It's like a weight dragging against us, causing us to not be able to get to our future. We've got to stop looking back to get on with today. Yesterday ended last night. Lamentations uh, chapter 3 verse 23 says, His mercy is new every morning. Think about when you're driving down the road. You've got a windscreen in front of you, okay? And it's huge. The square footage or the inches, square inches on that, on that windscreen is huge. And on that windscreen, you've got that huge panoramic view and new cars have bigger and bigger windscreens, Right? And you got this huge windscreen and then you got that little tiny rearview mirror. The percentage of that rearview mirror compared to the windscreen is very small. Cuz you need that. You got to look back occasionally just make sure you know nothing's happening or you know if you're going to you know, back up or do anything. Sometimes you need the you need the rearview mirror. But the percentage is that huge screen of looking forward versus that little tiny window of looking back. We need to have that kind of perspective on our future, where we see the bigness of what God's doing. And there's that little window of what's like, yeah, you know, I had some successes, yeah. Some great things have happened in my life. But you know what? I'm going on. God's doing wonderful things in my future. Joseph had a lot of baggage from his past. Kidnapped, sold into slavery by his own brothers. Falsely accused of rape and thrown into jail. Forgotten by his buddies when they were set free from, uh, from jail. Joseph was betrayed, beaten, hurt, forgotten, overlooked, mistreated. Think about that, guys. There's people in this room that have been hurt by parents, by loved ones, by relationships you've had in your past, and you're still carrying that hurt. And that hurt affects you in your relationships that you have today. It still comes up, comes up in your mind. You're still carrying that little bit of animosity, that little bit of hesitancy, that little bit of, you know, well, they're going to reject me, you know, are they going to turn me down? Is this guy going to. Going to really be my friend or whatever the case may be? And we've got to focus not on the past hurts that people have brought away, but the the incredible loyal friendship that God has had with us since the very beginning. Because God has never let you down. And He should really be the focus of our our current, our life, and our future forward. Not what people do. People will let you down. They will let you down. You know that. From time to time, people let you down. Even pastors will let you down they'll let you down. They won't live up to your expectation every time. Sometimes that has to do with your expectations, sometimes that has to do with them messing up. But there's reasons why that happens. So you can't put the the trust and the faith in that that you can in your relationship with God. That needs to be your anchor. That needs to be the center pole of your life, the thing that you hold on to is my relationship with God and that in that he has never ever forsaken me. Amen. Are you there? So Joseph was all those things, kid, hot, all that kind of stuff in, in in his past, but God had a future for him and a destiny. Can you imagine if he would have stuck in that and been bitter because of that and been angry because of that? His brothers then are brought before him later on in his life, and he says something that is so incredibly like healing. He shows just like where he just he just he just lived in such a healed place. He said. Here was his chance now to get back at them. They were standing in front of him. Now he had the power. Now they were coming to him. And finally they realized who he was. And they, they started trembling. They started realizing, oh my goodness, this is it. Okay, this, we're going we're gonna to get it now. And he says, no, no, no. He says, what you meant for evil, he said, God meant for good. God meant for good. So he totaled up all those things, the bad things that had happened. And he says, the totality of all that brought good in my life god causes all things all things to work together they don't they're not necessarily individually good but they work together for good and not for everybody not for the sinner not for the worldly person but for those who love the lord and who are called according to his purpose god orchestrates our per, our future and god orchestrates our present and he works it all out for the good. So even if it doesn't go down good for you right now, say, you know what, it's all good. It's, all, it's all going to work out. The phrase, is all good. The yeah, yeah, saying that to the Lord, saying, Lord, it's all good. He goes, no, it's really not. <laughs> Looking back encourages the possibility of going back. Looking back keeps us from moving forward, okay? So how do we forget? Forgetting, first of all, you've got to realize it's a deliberate act of your will. The Bible says, whatever is good, whatever is pure, Philippians chapter 4, I believe it is, whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is a good good report, think on these things. So we don't have to just think about the things that have come up in our lives circumstantially. We can control our thoughts and focus our thoughts in a direction that we choose. So there's two ways to live your life. You can live your life where you just, okay, something bad happened to me, oh man, something good happened to me, oh right. or you can just live as, man, things are good, something bad happened to me, that's all right. Something good will happen. Something good happens. Yeah, that's cool. You know, you don't live in the super highs. You don't live in the super lows. You just kind of flatten everything out. And you just kind of like, life is good. Life is good. Life is good. Bad things happen. Good things happen. I'm rolling, man. God's with me every step of the way. And you just live kind of in that rhythm, kind of in that sweet spot. To where you're not living in these highs and these lows and these dips and these valleys and this huge depression and all these other things brought on by circumstances and how you view them in the, in the context of right now. Because I can tell you, there's a lot of things that have happened in my life that I thought at that moment were not good, that actually were salvation to me. I've looked back and thought, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that, that what I wanted to work out did not work out. Because what eventually did work out was way better. So we've got to just realize, you know, hey, Lord's Lord's got a better perspective than we do. He can see a lot further along the horizon than we can. And he knows what's going on. The Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. You and I are righteous. If I ask you who's righteous in this room, every, every hand that's a Christian should shoot up in the air immediately. You're righteous by virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. So your steps are being ordered by the Lord. It's all good. No, it's really not. For, Forgetting is a deliberate act of our will. It's something that we've got to do. We've got to choose to do. For, remember what forgetting was. Unable to remember, leave behind unintentionally, fail to mention, banish from one's thoughts, or, or forget uh, to forget a, a disgrace, to disregard on purpose, to cease remembering. That's us using our will to say, I choose not to focus on those things. So how do we forget? It's a deliberate act of our will, number one. Number two, forgetting needs to happen immediately. You can't even dwell. You can't even harbor or that, that hurt or, just, or take that hurt and just have it for a minute and just pet it. You can't. None, none of that. None of that. you got to get past that kind of nonsense where you even want to do that. Where you just take the, the hurt comes to you and you take the hurt and you give it to the Lord. The hurt comes to you, you just take it and you just give it to the Lord. Jesus, when he sent his disciples out, he says, when, not if, when they reject you or persecute you, realize this, they're not persecuting you. It's not all about you. It's about them persecuting me in you. And a lot of times it's not about you. sometimes it is. But there's sometimes when it isn't, okay? I'm not letting you off the hook all the way, okay? The Bible says, do not call to mind the former things. We keep calling it to mind. The Bible says, He who repeats a matter seeks to separate good friends. We keep calling things to mind. And every time we call it to mind, it brings separation. It brings, it brings heart, heartbreak. It brings, up, I've got to relive this thing again. Stop bringing it to mind. Stop remembering it. Stop living it. Stop driving down the road and thinking about it. Think about now and the future and what God's doing and what God wants to do. Take 5 or 10 seconds when the hurt comes and then let the hurt go. 5 or 10 seconds and then let it go. Man, I'm telling you, if you can live like that, you can live in a good, good place. A really good place. Forgetting is a deliberate act of your will. Forgetting needs to happen immediately. Number 3, receive God's grace to forget and forgive. So there's two parts to that. Forgive and forget. We've got to do both. Forget and forgive, forgive and forget. We've got to do both, okay? So grace to forgive yourself. You've got to be able to do that. The guilt, the shame, the fear, all that stuff will hold us back from living the life that God wants us to live. It'll be like chains on our ankles. It'll be like walking in a chain gang with all the different memories of all the past and all the things we've gone through. We all make mistakes. Babe Ruth struck out 1,330 times. But he also hit 714 home runs. Do you ever think about the, do you ever think Babe Ruth, the, the great strikeout artist? No, that's not, no one thinks of him as the great strikeout artist. No one says that. No one, oh, that's Babe Ruth, oh, okay, okay, you suck, okay, here's a strikeout. Come on, man, hit a home run, you know, even though he statistically rarely ever did it. I mean, you know, 714 home runs. R.H. Macy had seven failed businesses before successfully opening Macy's department store. I say most millionaires today, statistically millionaires today, have on average seven failed businesses before they hit it. Seven failed businesses. Any one of those are an opportunity to live in that. Any one of those are an opportunity to get stuck In that failed business, in that failed situation, in that failed merger with another company, in that failed partnership you had with your business partner, whatever, and just live like that. But the ones who make it, they go on, they go on, they go on. Michael Jordan, in the famous Nike ad, I don't know how many of you remember this, anyways. There was a television ad back in the black and white days, no, I'm just kidding. And Michael Jordan was on there, and, he, and it's him, like, you know, in this kind of, like, you know, lighting and dark lighting and things, and he's talking, and so, you know, kind of just going over things. And here, here's what the script said. Michael Jordan's saying this, Nike commercial. I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. That's Michael Jordan. You don't think about the 26 times he didn't make it. You think, it's three seconds left. Give it to Michael, man. Give it to Michael. What are you doing? You're not giving it to Michael. Get it into Michael's hands. People don't sit in the audience and go, oh, man, that's, lose. that's, the, guy, that's the loser they gave it to last time. 26 times that guy's blown it. No one thinks that. No one thinks that. Most of you guys don't know this, but you know the the old coach of the uh, of the Lakers, Pat? Um, yeah, right. Okay. He used to be a Laker player. I don't know how many of you know that back in the day. Yeah, yeah, when the shorts were short. Yeah. <laughs> so he tells this story. He tells this story that's hysterical. He tells the story about coming down the last, they were playing a game, it was coming down the last point or so the last seconds of the game, and so they, they huddled and they said, okay, we're going to give it to, to uh, um, uh, the guy that's on the NBA, uh, uh, Jerry West. Yeah, We're going to give it to Jerry West. And I keep wanting to say Jerry Lucas. And that's the memory guy. I can't remember Jerry West. <laughs> Anyways, um, we're going to give it to, to, to Jerry West. And so the play was designed to give it to Jerry West. So they got out there, of course, and Pat uh, Riley was a, a guard as well. And so they got out there. Well, Jerry West was almost triple teamed. Two guys on him and a third guy running towards him. And so the ball came to Pat Riley. He was open. Clock's going down. So I'm shooting it. So he takes a shot, Frank, misses it. They lose the game. So they go into the locker room afterward. So Will Chamberlain is just like furious, you know. So the, the media people leave the room and so forth. They're all by themselves in the locker room. He comes over and he goes... Next time, when the ball comes to you with three seconds, give it to Jerry West. And he goes, but but Jerry West was covered. And he goes, and I was wide open. And Chamberlain goes, and why do you think you were wide open? (laughs) He said, okay, I'll give it to Jerry West. Good point. (laughs) You got to have grace to forgive yourself. You've done things. You've made mistakes. You've missed that last shot, the last minute of the game. You've made mistakes. I've made huge blunders in my life. I've made mistakes. But I'll tell you what, I've been out there trying. I was out there trying. I was out there giving it my all. If I made mistakes, I made honest mistakes. I was out there, you know shooting for the rim, you know, and, and trying to go for it. And so I've made a lot of mistakes, and I've had to go back and I've had to forgive myself and not dwell on those things. I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you in these things because I can't let my past slow me down or hold me back either. We have got to press on, or Christianity as a whole is going to be living back 100 years ago instead of living in the future and where it needs to be in the, into, the, into the present. Proverbs 24:16, "A righteous man falls seven times, and he rises again, but the wicked are brought down by calamity." Jeremiah 31:34, "I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more." So God gives us that ability. So we so How do we forget? Forgetting is a deliberate act? Forgetting needs to happen immediately, and we've got to realize that when we receive God's grace, we can receive God's grace to do two things: forgive ourselves. And also to forgive others. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 through 13. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bearing one another and forgiving one another. Just as the Lord also forgave you, so also shall you forgive. And when it says one another, it means one another. It means your kids. It means your ex-wife. It means your parents. It means one another. means everybody. Forgive them as the Lord forgave you. So think about how the Lord's forgiving you. Does the Lord keep bringing up your past? Remember what you did. Remember you're a loser. Remember this. Remember, does the Lord do that? No, the Bible says your sins are as far as the east is from the west. You bring them up, he's going to go, what are you talking about? Well, I forgave you for that. that that's over with. That's done with. What, what are you talking about? And you're going to have to bring it up to him and remind him. When I used to do discipline with my kids, I would do the same thing. At the very end of it, I would say, okay, it's over with now. It's done. And I'd do something. We'd go get ice cream together. We'd go in the kitchen and get an ice cream together and have an ice cream together or we'd go play a little bit or do something to erase that it's done now. And I'd say, if you don't do it again, it's never going to come up. Dad's not going to bring it up. We're not going to bring it up. We're not going to talk about this anymore. It's done. And I tried to teach my kids from the time they were very little that when it's done, it's done. But you have to deal with it and get it done first. You have to admit that you sinned and you have to say you're sorry and ask for forgiveness. And many times it wasn't the admitting the sin that got my kids to cry, but it was the asking for forgiveness. And when they'd ask me for forgiveness for, for, for what they did, that's when sometimes they would break and they'd start crying. And I thought, man, it's such a valuable thing and lesson to learn at such an early age. I wasn't breaking their spirit, but I was helping break their will. Because that will has got to be broken. I don't want to give them to another person to go be married to at age 18, 20, 22 years old, whatever the case may be, with their strong will intact and let that other person have to deal with them as a partner trying to break that will their whole life. I want them to have their strong will broken and yielded to God and their spirit be strong and going forward in the Lord. And hopefully I've achieved a little bit of that with my kids. As The last one's about ready to get married here pretty soon. So, forgetting is a deliberate act. Forgetting needs to happen immediately. We need to forget and forgive ourselves and others. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 21, verse 25. I will recall to my mind the loving kindness, the Lord's loving kindness that never ceases and His compassion that never fails. They are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. He is my portion. My hope lies in Him. And fourthly, lastly, forgetting understands that God is committed to our future. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a, ho- and a hope. This is so sad that millions of people today think that God has given up on them. They've blown it. They've messed up. They've done, they've done too much now. There's no way they're ever going to be forgiven. It's just so sad that people walk around in that kind of state today. Like the CEO of IBM. True story. CEO of IBM lost $10 million in a decision that he made. Now, in the course of IBM, that isn't gigantic, but still, $10 million $10 million. So the CEO of IBM at that time lost $10 million. He walks into the board meeting the next day, puts down his clipboard, and says to the board members and to the chairman, he says, well, I suppose you guys want my res- resignation. And the chairman says, are you kidding? We just spent $10 million educating you. You're not going anywhere. That's one way of looking at it. That's a positive way of looking at it. Oh, we lost 10 million. Oh, you got educated. You know? Abraham had an illegitimate son. God still went on to make him the father of many nations. Jonah went his own rebellious way. God still sent and used him to save an entire city from destruction. And by the way, when God told him to go to Nineveh, he didn't go this way. He didn't go that way. He went the exact 180 degree opposite direction. He went the, the most opposite way he could possibly go from where God wanted him to go. God still used him. David, who slept with another man's, uh, another man's wife and then murdered that his best friend, who is essentially his best friend, one of his generals, that, that woman's uh, husband, to, uh, in order to cover up his sin. God went on to make him a successful king and after that referred to him as a man after God's own heart. Wow. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, God made him the leader of the early church. Three times after he denies Christ, 50 days later. If he was in church, if he was somebody in church today and made a mistake like that, he'd be like sitting on the back row of the church somewhere for like two years or something, you know, in in regressive therapy or, you know finding his inner child and spanking him or doing something, I, you know. <laughs> Peter denies Christ three times, and 50 days later, God taps him on the shoulder as being the one to preach a sermon, and 3,000 people get saved. Amen. 50 days later, you made a mistake, you blew it, it's over. He sees him in the, you know, he's making a breakfast on the, on the beach, and, you know, he sees him in the boat. And he, and he tells them to come to shore. He doesn't say, yeah, yeah, yeah great, you bunch of ragtag idiots, you know. <laughs> Thank you. You're with me for three years. And what did you learn? He doesn't go into all that tirade. He doesn't go into all that stuff that would, you know, make a lot of us feel good. It would scratch our little itch of being able to, you know, a little dig on them, you know. Yeah, get back to them, you know. None of that's inside of God's heart. None of that's inside Jesus' heart. He's just accept and love you. They already know what they've done wrong. They already feel bad about enough about it. You don't have to go reminding them and hammering them and everything else. It's like, the, it's like the guy that's forgiven so great a debt. You know, he's forgiven this huge debt, and he goes out and strangles somebody over five bucks. You know? Paul, who persecuted the bride of Christ. God went on to use him as the apostle of apostles who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Two-thirds of the New Testament. This guy who was a persecutor of I mean, the horrendous thing. He held, the, he held the, 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 the tunics of the guys who were stoning Stephen, the first martyr of the New Testament. Stephen's down. And then, you know, that's not little, you know, no you know, little you know, pebbles. That's not how they stoned people back in those days. They put them in a pit so they couldn't move around. And then they go grab boulders and hurl them at them. The boulders would start piling up around them. The guy would be able to deflect a lot of it. The boulders would start piling up, and pretty soon you couldn't deflect, you couldn't move anymore, and your head would get crushed in by a big rock. And Saul was sitting there holding the jackets of these guys while they were all doing here, Here, let me hold your jacket so you can really wind up. This, this, this guy was a bad dude, man. This guy was a bad dude. And here God uses them to write two-thirds of the New Testament. Wow. Wow. Jesus never, ever brings up our past. Luke chapter 15, verse 21. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy. This is a prodigal son. No longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, Sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. My son is home. We're going to have a party. We're going to rejoice. Hugs him. Restores him into relationship. Wow. That story was given to give us an illustration of how God is. And the Bible says his father saw him from a, from a ways off. Why? Because his father was looking. His father, was, his father knew that his good fathering, bring up a child in the way that he should go. When he he's old, he'll not depart from it. He knew that his good parenting, his good fathering, would eventually override the, the silliness and the immaturity of his son. And eventually his son would come... Come to his senses as he was eating pig food. Pig food has a way of doing that to you. I mean, it, I mean, I don't need to tell you guys about pig food, right? I mean, pig food will snap you to your senses quick. And it got him to his senses, and it got him to walk back and say, "You know what? I can at least be a servant in my dad's house. That'd be better than eating the food I'm eating right now and what I'm doing right now." And he had to come back with his tail between his legs. And his dad didn't smear his face. And it was so bad that the brother, the son who was there, was like, what? <laughs> hello? What about me? I'm like here being faithful the whole time. What am I, chopped liver? And he said, well, what, what you, you got a problem? What, what, what's wrong with you? You're, you got everything you want. You're happy, aren't you? What are you worried about? Your brother's come back. Let's celebrate. Come on. His heart was pure. That's way God's heart is towards you. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. That doesn't mean we just gloss over things and that there's no accountability. See, people think that. Well, what you're talking about is you never hold anybody accountable. You never hold me. No, I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. Never said that. Never suggested that. Never said that. Just talked about how I disciplined my kids. Never said that. But what I'm saying is, is you don't take people's face and smash it in their, into their past. You don't keep holding that thing against them. You keep bringing it up keep using it against them and so forth. You deal with it? Yeah, you deal with it. A lot of people, a lot of things can't be restored the way they were. They just can't. A 12-year-old girl gets pregnant. She can be forgiven till the cows come home. But in 9 months she's going to give birth to a child and that's going to change her life forever. She'll never be restored back to the way she was prior to the sin that she caused in her life. She'll never be now, she'll be restored in the sense God will take her and make something good from that life and probably use that child in a powerful way. But it'll never be back to the way it perfectly was before. It just can't be. There's things, There are things that are like that, you know. I'll never put a person in, in, our, in our church into children's ministry who has any kind of history with child molestation. No, I will never, ever. And we do background checks on all of our people who do children's ministry. Um, that, that, that is one of the toughest things to ever walk out of. The, 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 the uh, success rates of, of helping people get over that particular thing are some of the lowest success rates that there are. It's a very difficult thing to get over. And while we accept those people and believe, you know, pray for them and love them back into the church and so forth and pray for their healing and see them restored as best we can, I'm not going to put an alcoholic in a, in, a, in a ministry that deals with people with alcoholism. I'm not going to do that. Because that's not a good place for them to be. And I'm not going to put a person who is involved in that back into a place like that where they could either hurt themselves or hurt somebody else. So in some places, you can't always restore somebody back to exactly the same place that they were. But they can be welcomed into the body of the Christ, and they can be prayed for, and they can find a place where they can excel, and they can do great things for the kingdom of God, and be used by God in a mighty, mighty way. And I've seen people from all of the things that I just mentioned used just like that. Do you believe that? Will you bow your heads with me? So, Father, this morning, Lord, we pray right now, God, that you would allow these words to sink deep into our hearts. Lord, that you'd allow the memory, Father, of the things that we've done in the past, Lord, to just begin to fade and fade and fade, good and bad, Lord. And, Lord, that we would remember the things, Lord, for the purpose of being able to champion your cause and to, and to shout the praise of how God has you know, been faithful in our lives and so forth but we won't use them as markers of our life, Lord, where they define us. And Lord, for those things that have been negative over our lives, Lord, we pray, Father, right now that you just again allow those things to begin to fade and go into a place of context in our lives where we use them as, as uh, learning points and as places where we can call back and say, look, I used to be this way. And Paul did that all of his life. He, used, he, remember, he remembered who he was, and he knew about who he was, and he used that as a, as a, as a witnessing tool to people around him of the power and the the incredible forgiving grace of God. So, Lord, let us, Lord, get to a place like that. Father, I pray that we forgive others. If there's any unforgiveness in our heart right now, just lay your hand on your heart right now. Just lay your hand on your heart. Just close your eyes. And just say, Lord Jesus, help me forgive. Help me forgive those that have wronged me. Help me forgive those that have hurt me. Help me forgive those that have of uh, ill intention toward me. Lord, help me forgive them. And help me forgive them like you forgave me. Help me be Jesus to them, to the best of my ability. God, I thank you for that right now, Father. Let us go forward, Lord, from this day forward and walk out healed and whole and healthy not with a ball and chain around our, our ankle any longer, but, Lord, free and able to do the, the incredible work of God that you have for us today and into the future. Lord, I love these men. I love these men. And, Lord, I have such a heart for them, God. Lord, I pray, Father, put that hedge of protection around them. And, Lord, when future hurt comes, Lord, let us just bounce off of them, God. Give them just that Teflon coating. Give them just that that Superman exterior, Lord, to where just the hurt comes and it just bounces off of them. And they don't harbor it and they don't give it a place to find a home anymore. And Lord, help them. Lord, help their wives live that way. Help their kids live that way. And help the people in their sphere of influence live that way too. Lord, I pray it all now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you.
0: that was a great word for us and we need to think about that and keep that in our minds you know we to me and maybe it's just me in my life but forgetting what's behind and forging ahead to what's in front of us is such an important uh, thing for us to learn to do and to focus on because nothing that's happened in the past is is important compared to what he's taken us forward to in the future amen, amen. if you have never said yes to jesus and made him the Lord of your life. You know, he said the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And that means that you're in a relationship and a right relationship with him. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but he wants to be directing your steps. And if you've never said yes to him, I want to encourage you to come up here and talk to us after we break this morning and give your life to Jesus.